This is where we talk about traumas, abuse, and addiction, while integrating psychology, sociology, and theology. Let's heal together. I am your man and your host, Mike D. The key to freedom is knowledge. And knowledge is truth. Let's get it. Good day, guys. Just talking about the uh, the inhibitions of influences and um, hoping that we're all learning something as it relates to trauma and addiction. So when we inhibit parts of our thinking and feeling, we are not able to think through significant events in our lives. We are prevented from understanding and then integrating the understanding into a large context of our life patterns. By not talking about the inhibited event, for example, we usually do not translate the event into language. This prevents us from understanding and assimilating the event. Consequently, significant experiences that are inhibited are likely to surface in the forms of ruminations, dreams, and associated thought disturbances. And so the research says confrontation reduces the effects of inhibition, reversing the detrimental psychological problems that result from inhibition. When we make a lifestyle of only openly confronting pain, feelings, and we resolve the trauma, there will be a lowering of the overall stress on the body. Confrontation then forces a rethinking of events. Confronting a trauma helps people to understand, ultimately assimilate the event. By talking or writing about previously inhibited experiences, people translate the event into a language. Once it is language-based, they can better understand the experience and ultimately put it behind them. This is a crucial part of developing a emotional literacy necessary for recovery. So what we're saying here is trying to get the individual who is experiencing this trauma to express it verbally or in writings in order that we may have a greater understanding of it and be able to acknowledge so that we can help heal from this trauma. And so what I come to understand is the key to freedom is knowledge and knowledge is truth. And so the research was done with a team that examined the progress of people who lost spouses by suicide or suddenly through accidental death. That is what they call a recent trauma as well as childhood trauma such as sexual abuse that occurred early in life. And what they found was that childhood traumas affect overall health more than traumas that occurred within the last three years. Because of the cumulative stresses of the body through the long-term inhibition of feelings, when traumas are not resolved, they are not converted into language, thought about and integrated into our overall pattern of thinking, feeling, and behaving. 
The obvious result of this is that clients have feelings as if their lives are puzzles with significant pieces missing. They may have trouble settling on life's directions. They may be experiencing problems in intimate relationships or the thought of a long-term committed relationship overwhelms them. Intimate relationships trigger unresolved pain from the past. Early childhood trauma such as sexual abuse, physical abuse, divorce, and seemingly lesser traumas such as being ignored or misunderstood by those whom, let's say, we most wish to understand us and are dependent upon for our sense of healthy correctness lie dormant within us if our coping style has been inhibited rather than confrontation and a disclosure. Then the pain gets triggered without the understanding and self-awareness that we would have had we gradually and over time resolved our feelings related to the these traumas. And so the result of this is often a projection of early pain into a current relationship. That is, uh, we see the trigger event in our current intimacy as the problem in and of itself. All too often, it follows that our idea of the solution or way out of the pain is to dump or exit or abandon the relationship. So our work is the deep excavating work is to make conscious these early wounds and convert them into words so that they can be felt and understood. To use the skills, only then can we place them into their proper perspective, give them a context, the whens, the wheres, and the hows, and to integrate them back into our lives with understanding as to what happened and what meaning we made out of it that we currently live by. Of course, in addition to the inhibitions of emotional expression, we need to understand a broader range of the effects of trauma. The meaning that we make out of the traumatic childhood event is affected by several factors. So these factors are, what was our developmental stage at the time of the trauma? Was it a one-time event or a cumulative trauma that occurred, say, over time? And what were our sources of support at the time that the trauma occurred? Uh, lastly, what meaning did we make out of the trauma that got incorporated into our core belief system and affected the way that we learned to see ourselves, our relationships, and the world in which we now live and find ourselves? And so until we're able to understand this, we find ourselves in this vicious cycle, right? And so we are biologically set up to meet our needs for dependency and nurturing through our early kinship relationships. Remember, I talked earlier about how we need each other. We were created and designed to be able to connect with one another. So when our basic life needs are met inadequately early in life, we can develop an emotional hunger that is never met and is characterized by our seeking to redo the past to meet our early unmet need with the wrong people at the wrong time and the wrong place. And when we ask present day relationships to make up for failures of our past relationships without the awareness of how these needs are affecting the relationship, we burden them in a way that impairs healthy functioning. And so what we're attempting to do here is to create healthy relationships, healthy boundaries, right? Healthy individuals to the point to where once we begin to heal from these traumas, our moving forward is healthy in a way that our relationships, our friendships, our marriages are healthy in a sense that uh, there's no trauma there, there's no pain there because we addressed all of these things and went back to the childhood traumas that has affected us all these years. 
The basic psychological response to uncontrollable trauma is a two-phase reaction of protest and numbing. The protest phase may be marked by anger, verbal hostility, or acting out. In time of initial reaction is followed by numbing, a state of emotional and interpersonal withdrawal from active participation in one's environment. Right? The major signs of numbing include difficulties solving problems, withdrawal from social activities, and or isolation. So important research shows that trauma victims attempt to control their internal state of hyperarousal, social withdrawal, emotional pain, and anger through the use of substances that quiet their inner struggle and restore a uh, sense of control over their tumultuous inner world. The substance of choice becomes a reliable source of mood management that temporarily masquerades as a restoration of the trauma victim's equilibrium. However, this method of what they call mood management actually has the effect of denying trauma victims the access to their own internal world. So the emotional state and signals that would allow them to comprehend and come to terms with their internal struggles are numbed by this method of self-medication. While trauma victims gain the temporary relief they are seeking, they do so at the expense of self-knowledge and the potential of self-mastery. And so I guess we have to now look at, you know, what is the potential of self-mastery? The dictionary describes potential as uh, possible as opposed to actual, capable of being or becoming, possibility, potentiality a latent excellence or ability that may or may not be developed, a potential aspect, mood, construction, case, a form of the potential. And so when we're talking about potential for self-mastery, it's clearly saying everything is unused. All that isn't tapped into yet. Everything you can become hasn't been tapped into or all you can do, but you haven't accomplished as yet. When you begin to self-medicate, right, you haven't tapped into all that you can do, all that you can be. The potential for self-mastery is, or that self-knowledge is, is taken away because of the self-medications that you're using, be it drugs and or alcohol, now has interfered with your potential. To complicate matters, the addictive process comes to have uh, a life of its own. The withdrawal from the authentic emotions and alienation from the self that the drug induces leave trauma victims helpless before their own internal world. And the learned helplessness of the trauma, the victim is thereby reinforced. When the self-medicating substance wear off, the person is again overwhelmed by the pain which now has further isolation, shame, and unresolved pain added to it. The trauma victims enter a vicious cycle. Emotional, psychological pain, self-medicating with drugs, alcohol, food, sex, etc. We have to include uh, hobbies in there and workaholics. Once they're sobering up, it reemerges of unresolved pain. Then it requires more medication. If the trauma issues that lie beneath the desire to self-medicate are not resolved 
An addict may lie down one addiction only to pick up another. The addictive process takes a life of its own, rendering the trauma victim more and more helpless with each sinister turn of the wheel of addiction. Let's take a quick moment to look at this wheel of trauma and addiction then. It starts as the emotional and psychological pain, shame and turbulent inner world related to trauma. From that, self-medication through drugs, alcohol, food, sex, etc. Then life complications, trouble with relationships, work, loss of true play and enjoyment as a result of unresolved trauma and drug use pervading and controlling your interworld, which gives way to more emotional and psychological pain, shame and turbulent inner world and weakened personal resources to deal with them due to drug dependency. We move over to a greater need for larger amounts of drugs, alcohol, food, sex, nicotine, or a combination of several of these due to increased physical tolerance of the medication and the persistence and pervasive emotional and psychological problems, which then compiles that into a life complication that gets deeper and deeper and deeper, more overwhelming and harder to solve as drugs and other addictions take over, invading all the aspects of one's life. And so children who have been traumatized will be left with significant defects in psychological development as well as in the ability to engage in nurturing relationships. They will go through life attempting to fill in these developmental gaps. We can only see the extent of damage through symptoms of rupture, abuse, or neglect, such as emotional withdrawal, um, shutdowns, hypervigilance, hyperarousal, and a loss of trust and faith. And so people who carry these invisible wounds, they all seek relief. Their focus of identity has not been built slowly within themselves. And so they have not learned to be self-sustaining. They have not been shown what nurturing feels like and how to bring it into their own self-systems. Rather, they seek to meet their unmet needs in what we might call emotionally unintelligent ways. Substances such as food and alcohol, and this is big, Behaviors such as sex provide temporary relief, but the underlying emotional pain from trauma remains unchanged. Or even worse, becomes more complicated and intensified because rather than being processed consciously, it is being self-medicated, which leads to an addiction. And so traumatized people have been known to have trouble tolerating intense emotions without feeling overwhelmed and thus continue to rely on disassociation. This interferes with their ability to utilize emotions as guides for action. Such individuals go from stimulus to response without being able to figure out uh, what upsets them. We refer to this as acting out or overcorrecting or shutting down or they just simply freeze. This renders people emotionally illiterate when we talk about uh, their emotions and not being able to express. They are not able to fully process experiences and put them into context because they have lost access to the part of themselves that tells them how they feel about what's going on around them or what has happened to them. And so they feel confused and overwhelmed. And when that state gets too uncomfortable, they shut down or they act out, we could say. And so we keep talking about traumas. What is trauma? 
trauma can be summed up in two ways. You have a um, pathology and a psychiatric. The pathology is a body wound or shock produced by a sudden physical injury as a form of violence or an accident. The condition produced by this traumatism. Psychiatric, an experience that produces psychological injury or pain. The psychological injury so caused, and that's what we're looking at here. That is what's important as we begin to look at it. Trauma also refers to a serious psychological injury or emotional pain as from being involved in a disturbing or horrible incident as in the trauma caused by years of war. It still gives the soldier nightmares, hence we call that PTSD. Trauma is also used to refer to specific incidents that cause both of these types of serious damages as, uh, say, flood survivors from uh, New Orleans uh, can still have an impact on their lives or someone who has been raped, someone who has been misused in their childhood. These are all traumatic events. Someone who has been in a hospital with cancer and hasn't recovered. These are all traumatic events that can cause PTSD uh, in addition to the traumas that we carry throughout our lives. One of the confusing things about resolving trauma-related issues is our defense structure surrounding them. The things that hurt us deeply are the most out of touch with on an emotional level. Because one of the most common defenses when we are hurt or traumatized is to just go numb or to freeze. We have little or no feeling in those areas of disowned pain. And so therefore, we lose access to the feelings that wound would serve as indicators or where our wounds are. A particular behavior from another person presses on an old wound or uh, something is triggered, a response in us that is clearly an overreaction. This is perhaps the place or the site of the original wound, but this is also where we are numb and out of touch with. So instead of seeing our overreaction for what it is, we project our unfelt pain onto the situation or person triggering it and create uh, so many more problems on top of the original ones that we got lost in in the first place or is highly distracted by them. So we're going to end here, guys, and I hope that uh, at this point now we're beginning to see the connection between the trauma and the addictions, um, the emotions and the emotional literacy and how important it is to talk about your emotions and your feelings as it relates to the trauma that has affected your lives um, and the importance of if you can't be able to speak about it, then perhaps you're able to write it down. At least now it becomes literal and now we can address it and help you to heal from it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. You take care. Hope you're getting some helpful knowledge and you're on the road to healing and recovery. Please consider sharing with your family and friends. Thank you for your listening ear and spending time with me. Light day. Cheers to you.